Welcome back to Kingdom Cast. This your host, Super Champ Chuck. We back at it with another episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, share all your social media platforms. Yeah, so we're back for part two of the draft season. So we are three weeks away from the 2023 NFL draft here in Kansas City, which is going to be down at Union Station. So before we get to all that, I'd like to introduce the panel here. My guy Country's on the top right. My homegirl Kylie's on the bottom right. Our guy, Boogie, could not make this episode. Um, Hopefully, he'll be back either tomorrow or next week. So, um, special guest to the bottom left, um, we welcome back Zach Eisen from the Arrowhead Report. And he also contributed to the draft guide this year at KC Sports Network. So, how you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here. I love the show. So, to be on is an honor for me. Yeah, man. The young guy. I missed out last time, so this is my first time doing the show with you. So we're gonna see how this goes, man. <laughs> nah, nah, but um, but first thing first, man, like let's let's ask about you know your time with the Kansas City Sports Network and getting that draft guy together. So like, how did that process go for you? How's that and how did that experience go? Yeah, I mean it's been a long process. I think I was down in KC in September for the Chargers game, and I remember talking to Kent back then, uh, meeting him and you know, it was basically like, hey, like, this is our idea. Like, we want more contributors this year. We know you like college football. So um, do you want to, you know, be a part of this? And that was basically it. So we've been doing it since September, you know, creating these guys, you know, going back and forth and writing up these prospects. So finally, it's, a, you know, a nine-month process or whatever. Now we're back. And it finally came out yesterday. And, um, I mean, it gives me more appreciation for what they've done for the last four years because they've had less and less people to do it and they still put out this amazing product. So, um, yeah, it's incredible, but it's been a process and we're, you know, this is the perfect time because it's draft season and we're, we love it all. So, yeah. What, 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 uh, what group did you handle this year? I did Was it all over or did you handle a specific group? Yeah. So my primary groups were tight ends and, interior defensive lineman so that was my that's like I, that's who I wrote up and that's who I watched originally and then they have everybody basically you can just do secondary grades on whoever else you want to watch so like if I want to like you know if I like a wide receiver and I just watch all the wide receivers because the Chiefs want wide receivers obviously so I put a lot of secondary grades in and that like balances out the grades so it's more like um you know group effort while just like instead of having one person like rely on that grade okay What's going on, Nani? So, yeah, man. So, yeah, we definitely going to get into, uh, you know, the tight end and interior defensive line talk since that was your uh, part of the draft guide. But we'll talk about the prospects, too. Uh, but first things first, man, let's go ahead and get to the little breaking news or whatnot. Okay, so, you know, Tyreek, he pulled up back to Kansas City. Um, I think one of his trainers is still in Kansas City, so that could be part of the reason why he came back. And also, I think he's still hosting football camps in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, but he we pulled saw up most... to, uh, he pulled up to Garrick Dieter and uh, Anthony Sherman's radio show on A10. Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? Outside interference or something? I don't I don't know the name of it. I ain't gonna. They got a show yeah. on A10. This just... <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to those guys. Shout out to Sherm, the sausage, and uh, Dieter. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, like you know, like Tyree, Gary, and Anthony, they they linked up. You know, did the show. 
um, I guess talk about the past a little bit and whatnot, and offseason stuff and whatnot. And then, you know, the whole, you know, at Tyreek, then I guess when the guess Tyreek got asked, you know, what it's going to be like him at the Arrowhead, you know, in the Dolphins uniform and all this other stuff. And, you know, Tyreek, he's a good showman. You know, he's he trying to sell the matchup to everybody. And I think people took some of his comments a little too hard to heart. And it was just fun little banter. You know, Tyreek was talking, saying, you know, I know your little hand signals everything. I would hate to be the one to throw up the deuce. Arrowhead Stadium and all this other stuff, you know. And then and then Chris Jones kind of went a bit. And he got involved. Um, he had his little banter. He said, may God bless him. And then Tyreek responded, said, I know I've been blessed, but I'm a crack back. You, you too little. So, you know, they just, they just throw little jokes back and forth at each other. And then I saw the latest with Tyreek. Um, I guess he quote tweeted like a video of a orangutan eating or whatever. And he said it's Chris Jones in the offseason. So, yeah, it was, it was just fun. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, like this so fat that. monkey. It was like stuffing bananas in his mouth. And like he just quote tweeted and was like, Chris Jones in the offseason. Wow. Okay. So yeah, it was it was just fun little banter. I was like, I, I was just like, I wonder how long it took Chiefs fans to realize they still good friends and whatnot. It's just competitive, fun competitive banter. So I mean, my conclusion is that hey, we might be we might get this matchup on opening night or a banner night, even though other teams have been mentioned. We mentioned the Eagles, the Bengals, and the Bills, and all that stuff. So I mean, what do you guys think about this entire exchange between those guys? Off-season fun and games. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, quote, I think I think it was Amber who said, if you didn't make the playoffs, we cannot play you opening night. So, exclude everybody who didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> so, I, I, I think I want the Bengals. I just want to get that over with. I don't want to have to deal with that for nine weeks going back and forth. But at the same time, if we play them the first week and beat them the first week, it's going to be that all year. And if they play us the first week and they beat us, opening mm. night is going to be. <laughs> so it doesn't matter when we play them. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's going to be an all-night thing. But uh, my conclusion is Tyreek uh, still loves Kansas City. He's still cool with the guys. He's not how, – how fans look at him. Like, we're over Tyreek as fans. But the players don't look at him like that. I think he's still part of the team. I don't know if he's part of Pat and Travis' team because they haven't commented on Tyreek in a while. But he's still cool with players that were here. So he's still cool around the city, too. And he's funny, though. You got to give it to Tyreek. He is funny, though. Like, the back and forth was hilarious on both sides. So what y'all think? Uh, I mean, I think it's just fun and games. I think you're right. He's definitely still close to Kansas City and, like, the guys here. And uh, I think he's just having fun. Like, at this point, like, last summer, I feel like it was a little, like, ouch. But after a year removed, it's kind of like, all right, they're still just, like, poking fun, whatever. I did not see the video (laughs) of the orangutan. That, to me, feels a little aggressive. But there's probably an inside joke there that I don't know. (laughs) Um, That being said, I actually could see us playing the Dolphins the first week, and here's why. I feel like the Bengals and the Bills are going to draw high ratings anyways. 
so they could pull them in the middle of the season. Whereas like the first game of the season, everybody's jacked up because we've been without football. So like there's already a ton of eyes on the game. Like, I don't know. I could see us being like maybe a team that's a little more below the radar than like the Eagles, the Bills or the Bengals. But who knows? Because those are all going to be really great games. So I could see it going either way. Yeah. I mean, just building off Tally's point, I think it could be week one for sure because it gives like the media the whole offseason to talk about, oh, we're looking forward to this week one match of Tyreek returning to Arrowhead while they lift the banner and stuff like that. So instead of like that just one week time period where you usually get between games, they get like two or three months now to discuss and create whatever drama they want to create. So I definitely can see it happening and, you know, I'll welcome it. Like, it'll be good, you know. Tyreek will, I'm sure he'll be fired up to come back and the Chiefs will have something planned for him too. Yeah, and like, even if, okay, let's say the week one matchup does happen between the Chiefs and Dolphins, right? And Tyreek gets his little touchdown, you know, got this new little celebration and whatnot. At the end of the day, we just want the W, you know what I mean? Um, But like, you know, if Tyreek doesn't have like a spectacular game, then I mean that's just extra icing on the cake right there. So, um, like Kylie mentioned, I think you know the Eagles, Bills, and the Bengals. I think networks like CBS and Fox they may want to save those for later on. They they may want those games. So, I I think I I said like after I saw the little exchange or whatever, after I saw the video, Tyreek, I said, I mean there's a high probability that this could be the Baron Knight matchup. So. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I just can't wait till we get to that point of when we do like the schedule release show and, and look at the schedule and then we'll talk about it then. It's coming up. Isn't it like the first or second week of May? Yeah, yeah. yeah. May twelfth, I think. Oh yeah, no, that, I think the I think the Bengals still might be the heaviest game though, because that'll be the fifth time. Yeah, that and AFC well, Championship game rematch. Yeah, they got more storylines than that, just Tyreek coming back, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think it's gonna be Buffalo, that's for sure. I think they're either gonna go rematch AFC Championship game, Super Bowl, or Miami. That's where I'm kind of leading. Is the luster a little off Buffalo this year? Yes. I just think <laughs> that they've been so like hyped up by the media and they've never lived up to it. It's like they can't do it another year and then fall flat on their face. Like they have to, there has to be some pullback on them. They do it to the Chargers every year. <laughs> right. God love them Chargers, man. Gotta love them. <laughs> but but yeah, I think Buffalo. They that that for, for for one, they've lost quite a bit this all season, and two, they are getting a little older. So I think the time is starting to run out on them a little bit, but that remains to be seen. And then what's this? What's going on with Stefan Diggs? He I wants he's got all these cryptic tweets coming out every day. Frustration. Mm-hmm. Tired of losing. <laughs> yep, simple, simple as that, man. Oh, my bad. Oh, you good? No, I, right. I delete the comments. Okay. <laughs> all right. So before we get into talking about all these prospects and whatnot, let's talk about uh, the NFL announcing day one festivities when the draft does get here in Kansas City. So what we have here is got a red carpet show going on. It's like 445 p.m. Central Standard Time, our time. Um, got 
got different got different acts from music. You know, you got uh, Kansas City's own Alita Adams performing "Let the Every Voice is Sing." Um, you also got country music stars arriving, and then like you know, you got uh, celebrity events with your know, Big Slick and all that. And then this will be free concerts after each day, and also like the draft experience. It's gonna be open from noon to 10 p.m. Thursday and Friday, then Saturday in the morning at 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. So there's just some of the few things that they announced here, and I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited to see how um, the final product looks because I'm right now, of course, they're currently constructing and everything. So I just can't wait till that day arrives and we'll see how everything looks. So um, I know I want to participate in the NFL draft experience for sure. Looking forward to see how that looks. <laughs> cancel school. <laughs> hey, that's a, the cancel school is a weird one, and they canceled it early too. Like they canceled it last week. Like we're not having school, but so Thursday, man, think Friday? about like 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 everybody clear their head real fast. We are having a Kansas City. The NFL draft is in Kansas City, Missouri. Like, everybody just, like, take three seconds to, like, really think about that. Like, wow. <laughs> it's like, yo, like, think about when you grew up and the Chiefs were not that good. We had Todd Haley and Matt Castle and every quarterback that was named Tyler, every former San Francisco 49er quarterback that you could ever think of, except Steve Young. And and just losing and Derek Thomas passing away tragically, the 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 Belcher situation another tragic part, going two and fourteen, losing Eric Berry one week and then losing Jamal Charles the next week. Like we've been through so much. If you would have told twenty twelve, Kylie, I'm talking to twenty twelve Kylie Manning. In less than 20 years, you're going to have two Super Bowls, three appearances, uh, two MVPs, and the NFL draft in your city. You wouldn't believe – it's no way you would believe me. No. It's no way. It's crazy. And to be hosting the draft like two, three months after winning, like the city's just – it's got to be electric. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. think it's going to be something that, like, a lot of people who aren't familiar with Kansas City itself is going to fall in love with, like, the town and, like, the vibes around it. And it's going to be, you know, one of those where teams, away fans are going to start wanting to come to Kansas City because of the Arrowhead experience and that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah this is like – I'm sorry, Chuck. Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, the, the World Series um, – not the World Series, the All-Star Game – that was amazing, but mm -hmm. baseball ain't like it used to be. This is the king of sports, and this is their premier event, like a marquee event, and we got it. We got the NFL draft, and, and not to mention in the season, we're going to have the opening NFL game. We're going The game is going to start in Kansas It ended with Kansas City. It's going to start again with Kansas City, and during the middle, we're going to be hosting the draft. Like, this is a, if you really think about all of it put together, it's like overwhelming. It's like crazy. It's insane, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like just 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 like 
just look back on how far we came. So, dude. Um, you like you mentioned, like the old memories of you know, coming up short and tragic events that happened and and everything. Now we're in a position to where this franchise could be talked about as one of the best franchises in NFL history. I mean, with another Lombardi Trophy. So, and then like D. even mentioned, we got the World Cup coming up in the few years as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Kansas City's on the rise, man. We on the rise. We on the come up right now. I'm telling you, PSA, uh, these are my thoughts. My thoughts only. They do not represent our guests or our contributors to this show. Kansas City, Kansas Cityans, they are going to drag you kicking and screaming to be a big city. You are trying. They are going to drag you to being a major city. Just prepare for it. I'm just, we was talking about it at work today. There's no way St. Louis should be bigger than us. All apologies to St. Louis. It, there's no way St. Louis should be the marquee city of Missouri. It, we we ending that this year. We we taking over. I'm sorry about your arch and, and your lack of a football team. I, I'm not picking on St. Louis people, but it's no way Kansas City should be the second tier city in this state, bro. There's just no way. And that should be all over this year. Hopefully Amen. we put on these events. Everybody has fun, no violence, no foolishness, no silliness. Please, God, please, please. But just put it on, man. Bring a lot of money to the city. Fix the city up. Invest the money wisely in streets and schools and and events and everything. And just let's become a major city, man. Let's. I'm tired of being flyover city. There's no reason right. Future should feel like he's big enough to cancel concerts in Kansas City. Cause you're not for real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. Like that's embarrassing. Like anyway, okay, I'm done. Nah, but uh, uh, I was to say the, the Battle Hawks aren't a football team. What? They are. The Battle Hawks aren't a football team. They you got are. something against the XFL? Oh. No. <laughs> nah, go ahead, Carly. Shout out to the Rock. <laughs> uh, the Battle Hawks are actually kind of enjoyable to watch. I don't know if anyone's been watching them, but. I was just going to say, I think it's super dope, like, what Travis Kelsey is doing, too, in that same week. Like, he's got New Heights coming. That's going to be super dope uh, if you were able to get a ticket. And then he's got the Kelsey Jam thing. I just think it's really great how he's kind of taking advantage of this and trying to really showcase the city in other areas and in different lights and bringing different things to it. It's going to be super dope. And everyone's getting involved. It's going to be so electric. I cannot wait. And it's on my birthday. I know I say that every week, but I mean, let's go in Kansas City on my birthday. I'm ready. We're going to turn up, Kylie. Turn yes, we are. Yes, we you are. Thought, Who's you, thought driving? That, you, you thought that Super Bowl was <laughs> You <started>. are. <laughs> you said you were driving. I'm, I'm the designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey. Beyonce is coming to Arrowhead. That's point. Yeah, right. thank you, Nani, that's, for reminding yeah, me. Yeah, that's who that's who Nani means by mother, Beyonce. Yeah, Nani I know, I know. I'm just saying, but I didn't say it, so thank you for reminding Beyonce. That Beyonce. Yeah, you know how the Beehive <laughs> is, man. But but <laughs> but with that being said, man, let's go ahead and get let's go ahead and talk some draft now, man. All right, so Zach, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk the defense alignment now, man. Okay, so I want to talk about the main guy. I mean, he's most likely not gonna fall to us, but I want to talk about Jalen Carter. Now, as everyone knows, he's been going through some stuff 
in these past few months. You know, we know about what happened, you know, off the field and stuff with the car accident and whatnot. Um, you know, we saw we saw his pro day and it didn't look good. He looked out of shape and all that. Uh, boy, I seen it. I feel like he was. I feel like it was just because of stress. He was just going through stuff. You know what I mean? I feel like the stress built up, it, and it kind of affected his performance a little bit on pro day. So like, as far as Jalen Carter goes, like the, all the recent events, is that is that a little overblown? Is he still gonna go like in the top fifteen somewhere, or is this or is the drop really a real thing? Um, I think the drop can be real. I think like the car event is obviously, um, you know, public eye. Everybody knows about it. But there were some whispers. I think Todd McShay said something about his character beforehand, before that came out. So there are there could be more stuff surrounding it. So he could drop. But then his agent, you know, only schedules visits with top 10 teams. So does he have a guarantee from somebody in the top 10 saying, like, we're taking him if he's there? That's interesting. But, I mean, the talent is there. Like, I know, like, we've gotten away or Beach and Andy have gotten away from taking these character concern guys over the last two years and kind of getting rid of those guys um, out of the locker room and stuff like that. But, I mean, if he falls and he's there at 15, 16, 17, you're, I'm going to be, like, hard-pressed to, like, you know, go get him. Like, you're not going to find another blue-chip talent like that when you're picking so late in the draft. And um, if you feel comfortable with, you know, the leaders you have in the locker room, coaches and players, like, that's a guy that, like, is a franchise changer. Talent-wise, I guess, I would say. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, him and Chris Jones on the same mm-hmm. defense defensive line, that'd be scary. Good night. Like, <laughs> do do you want that press though? I, I think we we're able to handle that, but do you want the extra there goes Kansas City again picking up that trouble guy once again? Yeah, I mean here's like for for me it doesn't affect me per se because like I'm not part of the organization and it's not around that and like you know we know the truth excuse me about how the organization is run like they they you know a lot of hype like look at last year's draft all the guys are like super high character and it all worked out so that's how it's been over the last few years i get the negative press but i mean it happens with every team and like that's the sad part like there's not like one team that's totally clean so i don't know how much that affects like decision makings when you're um, you know, if if you believe that everything in the past is clear, like nothing's like you know horrible to like a terrible extent, and like he's not going to like continue this certain behavior, then like why not add this type of talent? Now, here's, here's the thing, country. I want to I want to address your question here. I mean, it's not like Andy Reid hasn't taken guys who had a little bit of trouble off the field in the past. I mean, this goes back to when he used to be the head coach in Philly. So I'll see how this would be any different in that aspect. So no, he's, done he's, done it, he's, he's done it a lot of times. I'm just saying, like, it, we we are that team that everybody's pointing at and, like, everything we do is overanalyzed. Just everything is such a – and then it's going to be – I can just see Skip. Kansas City drafts another trouble player next on Undisputed. Like, I could see that tweet. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I don't mind it. You know, talent is talent. You know what I'm saying? And if he's cool and he's going to stay in line and he's going to be a productive citizen or whatever he needs to be, 
then then you you willing to weather that storm. I'm just saying, like again, are we weather are we willing to weather that storm again? Because it's not the first time. It's definitely not the first time. All I gotta say is, who cares, man? Like, and undisputed. Right. That show that's fair. Anyway, so. That's fair. I was just asking. I was just playing devil's advocate. Shout out to Boogie. Right. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, yeah somebody exactly. got to do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the kid is amazing. He's a talent, and he's looked at as, if not one of, or not the guy. He's looked at one of the what the top ten guys in his prospect in his draft. Right, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think. He was number two then the big board behind just Anthony Richardson of our of the Casey Draft Guys big board. So, um, yeah, I mean, like that—that's the talent you're getting and best defensive player in the draft. And I mean, there really isn't a weakness with him on the field. It's you know, a little bit of conditioning stuff where they were rotating man. He looked gassed a little bit, which you know can be concerning, but you can fix that. And and then also the off the field stuff, which is that's basically it of like the weaknesses or concerns that I would have with taking him and like soft field stuff matters a lot because you know work ethic uh, character that all plays into how you perform on the field but like just from a talent standpoint like he's the best defensive player in this draft in my opinion he won't get past Chicago <laughs> yeah I mean it wouldn't be surprised but then again they got the option of taking Will Anderson there so we'll see how the draft plays out but I want to but speaking of interior defensive line I want to talk about this guy, Brian Brees, is from Clemson. Now, we talked about Miles Murphy, the defensive end from Clemson. Now we're going to talk about Brian Brees, the other guy from Clemson. Uh, Brees, this dude looks like a monster, man. Uh, this dude, he's uh, he's very explosive. You know, I like his, like his lateral movement. And he just he just gets to the quarterback. Like, his first step is just incredible. Like, he gets to the quarterback pretty quick, you know, off his pass rush. And he's physical. So, I mean, what do you think about Brian Breesey and where he can end up in this draft? Yeah. I mean, Breesey's a tough case because when he got recruited to Clemson, he was a five-star, like high, high five-star, like maybe the number one recruit in the class, and then blew it up his freshman year. Sophomore year, tears his ACL in the fourth game, I believe, and he missed the rest of the season. Then he recovers, and this season, um, his sister passed away from cancer, and he had a kidney infection that caused him to miss time. (laughs) So it's really hard to evaluate like how him on the field this year, because that's so much to deal with off the field and he's playing through that and emotionally. And it's just, it's a really tough evaluation on breezy because the talent is there and the athleticism is there. And uh, like, he's a first round talent for sure. But are you getting, um, you know, what does he look like without when, you know, he has more time to process the tragedies that happened in his life. And can he return to that, you know, freshman form and grow off that? Because that's – if you get that player, then he's worth the first-round pick 100%. Dang. Okay. Excellent. I didn't realize yeah. he – yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know all that either, honestly. But, yeah, that's that is quite a bit. Um, yeah, and then also, like, I mean, just to touch on a little bit, like Miles Murphy and him, like going from Venerable's defense to this new defense, they both like looked worse in this defense. You have to look at their 21 and 20, 2020 and 2021 tape for their best tape. And I mean, both those guys are first round talents just on those tapes. So uh, yeah, you just got to sort out like where you're, um, you know, what you're prioritizing, where you think, um, you know, which version you're getting at. 
Pepper yeah, got the question. Who is this kid? Yeah, Kalijah uh, so, Kansas from Pittsburgh. Yeah, so he's from Pittsburgh. I, I mean, Bree, I like Breezy personally better, and, and that's the question is, but we can talk about Kansi. Kansi's like an undersized um, – a lot of comparisons to Aaron Donald because he went to Pittsburgh. He's like the same um, height. He's six foot, and he's like 280. And I don't see the Aaron Donald comparison because Aaron Donald's just freakishly strong, and it's different. But, um, you know, he's a guy who is like – really explosive first step can win the pass rush has really good handwork it, you know early in his career he's going to be a you know rotational pass rusher and he's going to probably be one of your best four pass rushers when you're in third down situation the problem with him is that in a run game he's going to get washed out because he's just so undersized that teams can just run at him and you know can he ever develop into a three down player because of his size so like first like his um, pass rush ability like maybe the second best in the class behind carter it's the run stop stuffing ability that hurts him as a prospect. Yeah, I do see the kid getting touted up as you know the next Aaron Donald, and I don't really see it either. I mean, he could be a quality player, but that's that's a little too far when you compare him with Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald, that's that's one of the game changers. I mean, like, do you really like you got? Do you see Kansas as like a game changer like that on the defensive I mean, line in the pass rushing department? Like. Yeah, like you can get it. He could probably be a guy who, um, you know, he was very productive at Pittsburgh. Like, you, if you get a guy who's from the interior, like, you know, we're used to Chris Jones getting 15 sacks, and that's incredible. But you get a guy from the interior who's getting seven, eight sacks. That's a really productive pass rusher um, in the NFL level. And I think he can be that guy. But the problem is that are you taking that guy in the first round who can only play 40% of your snaps because he can't stop the run? Yeah. Why why do why do people why do people compare when you compare why do people go to the top? It's like yeah, it gotta be another guy between him (laughs) and Aaron Donald. It's like that's not even fair, bro. Like, yeah, hey, this wide receiver, he's nice, he's Jerry Rice like. Like, what can he be somebody else? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's too much pressure. Aaron Donald, come on, man. it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Zach, who, who okay, is someone that who is someone that you feel like really fits the Chiefs' defense that um, you would like so to see the, them take? Yeah, I think the sweet spot for defensive tackle is in the second round, where you got guys like Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin and Gervon Dexter out of Florida, um, and then also into the third round, you got Jacqueline Roy from LSU and Zach Pickens from South Carolina. Those are some bigger guys in the interior who can play nose tackle but also have some athletic juice and upside to become a more productive pass rusher than just the traditional nose tackle. Um, so there's, you know, those guys and that sounds like if you take any one of those and then you're pairing him with Chris Jones, that's a really seamless fit for me. Yeah, Dexter's Dex, Dex my guy. Yeah, Dexter's yeah, Dex, my guy. You already Dex know this, Zach. Super, you already know yeah, I like yeah. Dexter. <laughs> I mean, Dexter's super interesting because the get off is so poor. Like he he's always the last guy off the ball, but he's yeah. just so freakishly explosive that even though he's the last guy off the ball, he still has that explosion to get pass rush. And then also in the run game, he's the last guy off the ball, and they're double teaming him, and he just holds his ground because he's so strong. So it's like, can you teach him how to have a quicker get off and you know instinctually time his time the snap better, and then use those physical traits to become a very good nose tackle, three tech, whatever you want to play him at. 
because he can do both. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Joe Cullen can coach that out of him if he were to be a chief. I mean, so that's why I feel like I'm pretty confident that Dexter can be better than what he was at Florida, but we'll see. We'll see. Hey, hey Zach, who is – um? there's a late-round guy. I can't think of his name. He was uh, – when I see Chiefs, I think versatile. So I think can you play inside and outside? Are there any guys that can play inside? Is it Carl Brooks? Carl Brooks is one of those guys who can play inside okay, and outside. Thanks. He's it's, – it's so funny because you watch his tape and he's a 300-pound edge rusher. Like, he's listed at 6'3", 300 pounds, and he's rushing from the edge at, in college. And, um, you know, he's so super raw, but he's like he was super productive and playing in the MAC, he was, you know, clearly the best athlete on the field. So I think he best projects as a three-tech at the next level, and you're going to have to, you know, teach him how to play with better pad level and work – you know, he's got decent hands for being raw and stuff, so – He's one of those guys that can play inside, outside. Um, I always forget his name. Um, Deswan Joan, Johnson, is that, that's how you pronounce it. Um, he's from Toledo. The Chiefs brought him in on top 30. He's a guy who's like 6'3", 280, 290-ish. And um, he's very, like, I, I don't, this wasn't my comp for him, but like in the same mold as Turk Wharton, where it's like, you know, you bring him in on dime packages and nickel packages, and you he you let him rush the passer. So, but he's also a little bit more athletic than Turk, I believe. So he can play on the outside as well. You know, he's just got to work and become stronger and develop some stuff. But yeah, he's one of those guys that play inside outside, and the Chiefs brought him in on top thirty. Yeah, because outside of Naughty, um, and shout out to Naughty for coming back. He's the only guy that doesn't play inside and outside. Chris. Uh, George, Turk, uh, uh, Dana, uh, or Dana, all those guys can interchange and you can move them around, which I think benefits us against offenses because you never know where they're going to come from. So uh, those are the type of guys that I'm looking for, more versatile. I don't know where I'm going to put them. You know what I'm saying? I can yeah. put them inside. I can put them outside. You know what I'm saying? He could be a third string. He could be a starter and all that stuff. So, um any late round gems? Any uh, small school guys? Because my my philosophy is we're gonna take a senior bowl guy. We we saw him at the senior bowl. It's gonna be a small school HBCU, uh, smaller type of school guy, and then it's gonna be that late round gem. Like anybody that you see fitting those that one of those molds. Yes, and the, a guy I really like is Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina. He is like 6'3", 335. Like, he's just a mammoth of a human, like, in the middle of your defense. And um, he can just eat blocks, and he's just very good straight line. Like, if he beats the tackle or – no, not the tackle, the guard at the center, he can get upfield quickly. He's not going to be able to laterally move that quick because he's just so big, but he's just able to eat space. And I think, like, as a team that only has one true nose tackle right now in Derek Maddie and, like, you know, who knows what – his outlook looks like after having, I mean, I would argue that it was his worst season as a chief and, um, you know, he comes back and provides some stability, but you probably need another one who's, you know, developing and progressing in the upward trend. And he's a guy who's one of those late round, I think senior bowl guys and, you know, not power five school that, you know, you were talking about country. Yeah. Um, I do see here that, you know, like one of his strengths is that, you know, he delivers like a strong punch and he 
uses his hands to shed blocks, you know, just to make hold, just to make plays in the gaps, you know what I mean, the A gap and whatnot. Um, but one of the weaknesses is that, you know, if a if a ball carrier gets bound, you know, he's not going to chase him down or anything. But, like, for a defensive tackle, I mean, there's hardly any guys who can really, you know, chase down a ball carrier, you know, once they get a step on him and whatnot. Yeah. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm – Go uh, Oh, I was about, I was I was about to say, and, and like he plays a little, plays a little tall at times. You know, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't use his leverage enough at times. So there's a little inconsistency there. So, yeah, I mean, those are all fair criticisms, and I think just like you know, when you talk about don't chase the ball carrier, I think you just need guys who can eat space at times. You know, he's going right. to sit there for 35 percent of the snaps and just not let you run on them, and mm-hmm. that's pro- that's being a productive player. If you can get that in the round five six seven that's a good draft pick so um that's a guy i look at who's like okay like you lower his pad level a bit you you know tell him to anchor and use his strength in the run game and you get a productive player for four years super cheap don't start don't you start that kareem <laughs> don't you start that not tonight i, anyway. I feel like if, if you can hold a guy up and let chris jones work you know what i'm saying like that helps Cause yeah, it, and that, like, or or if he can beat the guy, because you know Chris Jones is gonna get what two to three guys probably, and then if if another guy can just eat him up on the other side, then maybe George and those guys on the outside get to work. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, that might be a bonus too. And that's why I like my like those day three guys, like or day two guys, like Benton, Dexter, Roy, Pickens, because they can have that pass rush upside that they, you know, they still need attention against the pass and not just the run. So, like, if you have a guy like that where, okay, we're going to dedicate a full guard, and then if he's beating our guard, then, you know, then doubling Chris Jones, that's good on that's good for the Chiefs because now those guys all have one-on-one matchups. So, it's like you just need guys who can be versatile, like you said, and who can win your one-on-one matchups because you have Chris who's going to eat doubles and triples. Yeah, and before we, before we move on to the tight end spots, um, I do got to bring this up. I mean, what you think about George Carlotta's putting in work with Tom Ali during this offseason? Because I think a lot of us make comparisons to for, to Tom <laughs> Ali as far as George goes. So I've been seeing him uh, working with the karate instructor, you know, getting his hands right and everything, working on some moves and whatnot. So, I mean, what do you think about GK putting in the time with Tomba? Yeah, I mean, it's great. Like, anytime you can learn from a guy who's had so much success in the league, like, that's, that's, that can't hurt you. So, like, and it also shows that George is dedicated to his craft. Like, we've seen Mahomes and the weapons, you know, like, right now, like, we just got an MBS and Sky. We're working out with Mahomes today, and George is already working out. Like, guys who, you know. Don't forget Justin Ross, Zach. <laughs> yeah, Justin Ross. <laughs> Super Bowl MVP, Justin Ross. Um, you know, he, <laughs> like, guys like that who, who win a Super Bowl in their first year, and they think, oh, so easy we can just go you know we have pat mahomes and we're gonna go win a super bowl he's willing to you know okay i'm gonna take my two weeks off three weeks off and then i'm gonna get back in the lab with tom but it's great to see yep and then i got one last thing okay so i want to talk about spash real quick this came this came to my mind he's now won four super bowls as a defense coordinator two of the giants three three, three. oh three he wasn't there in 2011 he left. He left for the um, Rams job. Oh yeah, okay. I could have swore he was still there, but anyway, I'll double check that after the show. But anyway, 
Um, do you is it time for him to like be in discussion as one of the great defense coordinators of all time? I'm like, is he in that discussion now? Yeah, I think Spags is like one of those like you know weird defensive coordinators because like you look at his regular season numbers and he's like middle of the pack, right? A little bit below average, like mm-hmm. okay, like whatever. But then like he's a big game coordinator, like you know when when it's time to like get the game plan going and like you know we're gonna put all the marbles on the table, like he's that's when he's at his best and like you see that in the playoffs time after time where it's like you know the the, the defense will limp into the playoffs and you're like. I don't know if this is the defense that can, you know, hold up against Cincinnati or Buffalo. And then, like, they hold Cincinnati to 20 and, you know, were able to win. And then they, you know, didn't have a great first half against Philly, but then they got the adjustments at halftime and they had a great second half and helped us to win. So it's, like, stuff like that where he's just so good in those big moments that, like, you know, if you look at it, it, like, historically, like, putting it up against, like, Belichick. I mean, Belichick's obviously – the be- but, like, if you look at the regular season numbers of Belichick and Spags, like, how is Spags ever considered, like, one of the greatest? And then – but then you realize in these big games, he's just such on a different level. That, like, makes him in that, like, top defensive coordinator ever, like, discussion. Yeah, and, like and, – and there's the thing with, like, the Super Bowl. I feel like he caught a, a great game in the Super Bowl. It's just mm-hmm. that there were penalties that kind of kept Philly's drives alive. And that's not to take away from what Philly did on offense or anything. It's just at the at the end of the day, we was in situations where we could have got Philly off the field a little bit more, but you know we had some dumb mental mistakes. So I feel like he was great then. So yeah, I mean, like the first drive of the game, they uh, you know ran a drag with De- uh, Devontae Smith on third down, and Willie's in position to make the play, and he slips because of the turf, and that, that's not Spags' fault. He had the right call. Right. They were going to get him right. down and get forcing the punt on the first drive, and they ended up scoring a touchdown because uh, Willie slipped. And, like, that's no one's fault. It just happened. That's just happened to be the case. I, th- okay. I feel like we asked this – I feel like we asked this last week with Daniel, um, but how much of an impact do you think Joe Colin will have on who they're drafting? Oh, I hope a lot. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I, like, obviously, he's had success here, and that's great and all that. But, like, when you look at the edge rusher room, it's like, you know, if you look at different edge rusher rooms around the NFL, they all have like different flavors. So it's like, you got your power guy, you got your speed guy, you got your, you know, all round guy, you got these different, like, you know, your versatile guys. The Chiefs are like very like, you know, cut and dry where it's like, you got one type and like everybody like is the same way. So um, I, I would like for Colin to have a little bit more um, influence because <laughs> I've been asking for a speed rusher this whole time. And like, you know, like Colin, when he was in Baltimore and Jacksonville, they always had a speed rusher. So we'll see in this draft if they get like a, a Felix who I know country likes, or if they take someone later who's a, a speed rusher. Like if they get one of those guys, then you can start talking about okay, like maybe they're gonna give the reins to Colin a little bit more influence wise. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 the thing that we're gonna watch. That's the thing we're gonna yeah. watch right there. Like, how much pull does Joe Colin have on this defensive line as far as like who to bring in? So that's gonna be the big thing. <laughs> so Zach, um, before we get off uh, defensive tackles, is there anybody that you went into like, eh, I don't know, and then you came out like, hey, this is a guy right here. Yeah, I think that was like my opinion on Dexter for sure because it was like you're, you're not getting off the ball like what am I going to do with you like 
like you're not productive. You have two sacks as a like a freak athlete, and then like you know, I talk to different like I talk to Maddie and I talk to Ken. And I'm like, what am I missing here? And then like you know, you have to like think about it projection wise. Like, what is he gonna look like in the NFL room, and how does like it like if you take away the get off, like he's holding up well. You know, he still shows explosion when he's able to like stuff like that. Like if they can fix that one problem, then they're like, you know, then you're cooking with gas. So it's like, he was a guy that I definitely struggled with and he was way down in my rankings before I, you know, consulted with some other people and like figured out like what I was missing on that fact. So, yeah. And now he's one of the guys I really enjoy watching and, you know, think he can be a super good ad next to Chris Jones. I'm voting for him. I want him. <laughs> so let's get to tight ends. Let's get to the elephant in the room because everybody loves tight ends. Who's your favorite tight end? Kincaid. Uh, what's the other kid's name? I know Kincaid. Michael, I Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. Another name. Scooter Maker. Tight end was um, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. Really good athlete. Uh, tall, lengthy guy. You know, good hands. Breaks down well, runs good routes, vertical stretching, um, you know, needs help with the blocking technique. I, I, I wrote that he was like, you know, in the Kelsey mold you're looking for, like you're looking for that mold. Like he's the most of that mold of any guy in this draft. And I think like, you know, he's probably going to need a year or two to like figure it out because he it got hurt last year and hasn't played much. And, but just the traits are there to become a good tight end. Yeah, so like, so like you mentioned, you mentioned him as like more of the Kelsey mode in this class. Um, I know Kyle mentioned uh, Michael Mayer in the comments. I think Mayer is probably more of the Gronk mode uh, per se in this draft class. Um, but yeah. I do want to talk, I do want to talk to you about Dalton Kincaid because there might be a possible red flag with him. Okay, so the latest I heard with him is that he got some type of back injury that he's dealing with. He hasn't really been able to put in any all season workouts like how he wants to and everything. I mean, is that like a is that like a big concern? Is that like a huge red flag? I mean, I think in the first round that's scary. The guy's a back injury. He's 24 already, so he's an old with a back injury, and you're drafting that at what 31 or my. I mean, that's just scary to me to say like, okay, like I'm gonna take a guy who might not have much room developing physically anymore, and couldn't participate in any activities because he has an injury, like, that's just tough. Yeah, not a back. Oh, we – yeah, back injuries, no. What is the stat about uh, Beach not only drafting 21-year-olds in the first round? Yeah. So, it's like – Somebody was um, spreading that around. It was, it was <laughs> Kent. He put out, like, out of the first two draft picks every year. So, like, was it every year? I don't know. Since, like, I think it's 2018. Like, Beach has taken – Seven out of ten guys have been twenty-one on draft day. So, like, I think that's McDuffie, Karloftis, um, who is the report? Clyde, Will uh, was really old. Willie might have been old. Uh, Creed, yeah, Bolton, both are younger. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still half a man. Oh God. <laughs> You know, security gonna beat security gonna beat your hands. You know that, <laughs> right? That dude's gonna be banned, man. 
All right. So, all right. Here's another guy I want to talk about. Uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa. Now, this guy uh, had a lot of hype beforehand before we mentioned all these other guys. Now, I saw him play a little bit at Iowa. Uh, he definitely has some ability. It's just that he was more of like in a run-heavy type of offense at Iowa, and Iowa's offense is just – I'm sorry, but Iowa football is tough to watch, man. It was really tough watching their offense. But I saw what Laporta was doing like away from the football. I felt like he he could be a decent guy in the NFL. So, I mean, where where do you see Laporta falling in this draft? And yeah, what do you think Laporta's he could do? Probably, I think Laporta's probably going to go somewhere around two. Um that's would be my guess. I don't know. It probably depends on how many tight ends going around one. He could fall to round three and be there at 63. Uh, I He's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think, like, the size is a little concerning. He's a little light and he's a little shorter. Um, not very great point of attack blocker, like, in line-wise. But, like, as a fullback or um, in split zone looks, like, he can block well. And then he, he's athletic. Like, he, he runs route, routes pretty well. And I think his best trade is after the catch. Like when he gets the ball in his hands, like he's physical and he's able to get get yards. So like at 63, I don't, I don't know if that's might be a little bit rich for me. But if you're telling me like they trade up front, they get like a you know, let's go you know, DN, um, often tackle and then they trade up from the probably need a wider suit, but <laughs> let's just use this scenario where you know they trade up from 95 to like 75 or something and they get Laporta. Like I wouldn't be mad because I can see the you know the plan. Towards it, yeah, and like I was, I was been a school that has been able to develop tight ends, and they've had pretty solid careers in the NFL. Like I remember Dallas Clark, he was in Indianapolis. I mean, unfortunately, his career got cut short because he took too many hits over the middle. Um, that's one of them. You know, you got George Kittle. Um, th- those are just the few guys that come out of that college. So we'll see how he does. Yeah, I mean Noah Fant, T.J. Hawkinson, stuff, guys like that. So. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what, what, what about, do you, go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead. I've been what do you think about uh, Luke Scootermaker? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Scootermaker. Like, uh, I don't know. He's Michigan. He's, um, yeah. The first thing, I mean, we're gonna notice a trend here. It's like this tight end class deep but old. Like Scootermaker's twenty five or going to be twenty five by the start of next year. So, like, you're getting players who like you know like guys who you know, you drafted Karloftis who won't be 25 until he signs his second contract and you're um, drafting a guy this year who's going to be 25. Like, that's probably why he falls to day three because teams will will, will will look at the age and say how much more does he have to develop. But, you know, he's a guy who's just very good all around. Like, gets, can get open, rats, good, safe hands, has improved as a blocker. So I think, like, in, if you're getting him in fourth round, like, you're getting a Noah Gray-level player who – can be a contributor and come up with like, you know, help you in the blocking, take some snaps off Kelsey. That's where you're, um, that's where I kind of think of him as an NFL player. I keep seeing Kyle post about uh, Michael Mayer, but I really, we would, don't we, you feel like we'll have to trade up to get him? I don't see him falling to 31. Yeah, I don't know. I think he could fall. It's really all because who knows where these uh, tight ends are going to go. It's like not a premium position. But, like, it's been talked about as a deep class, but also these top four are, you know, very, like, good. So, um, personally, I wouldn't go tight end first round. But, like, if he's there at 31, <laughs> I think it's definitely a conversation for them in that case. And, um, you know, he provides blocking in line and he can 
so get open, get, get hands, safe hands. And he has it very productive for three years at Notre Dame, and that's a big time school. So um, you're looking at, but he could be gone beforehand. He could slip into the second round because he's not that, you know, a lot of these um, tight ends who like succeed at a super high level in the NFL, they're like freak show athletes. Where you're thinking about like Kittle, uh, Kelsey, Waller, they're like, and he's like not, he's a good athlete, don't get me wrong, but he's not like freakiness. And that's where you like separate yourself at the NFL, where you're like a different level of athlete. So I don't know how early he goes, but um, he's definitely an option and intriguing. I just don't know if his mold of tight end fits the Chiefs unless they want to go more power-based scheme. That's interesting. That is interesting. Because um, you have so, to have different appearances uh, by Michael also, Mayer. But Michael Mayer is a beast, though. But, but it's not like you got to come in right now in the tight end room. Like, the tight end room is already a little crowded. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it will be more of a project type of guy. Instead of somebody that could sit behind Blake Bell and Noah Gray and Travis and just really soak it up for like the first year or whatever, you see yeah. it more like that, like like kind of how Pat sat behind Alex for a year and soaked up the game and learned how to be a pro, and then you throw him in the fire or like they just, yeah. I just kind of shy away from a tight end in the first round, especially if he's not gonna immediately come in the room and be a, you know what I'm saying. I mean, t- tight ends in general, they take like two to three. There's one of the positions that take the longest to develop at the NFL level. Um, you see guys who break out, don't break out until, you know, year three because it just takes so long to adjust to the, to the physicality, the speed, and different things for that position. So um, that's really like when you're spending a top 50 pick or top six, two first round, first sorry, <laughs> one of the first two round picks on them, like, and you're not going to get a contributor for two to three years, you're not maximizing what you can do right now. So, like, if I'm looking at a guy who's a tight end, like, looking at later around, like, Zach Coons, for example, he tested out of the gym. He might be gone because he just was, like, I think he tested as the best tight end of all time. Like, that's a guy who's, like, super raw, um, you know, played at Old Dominion, but you see the athleticism on the field. Not a very good blocker, but, like, just looks – athletic as he's running routes you got to teach him how to run routes you know with purpose and screw up his hands and stuff but that's a guy where you're thinking about in day if you get to day three and he's there at 122 or 134 then like you're like okay like that's an athlete where it's like okay i'm gonna have um kelsey gray bell and maybe force depending on how the roster shakes out and then i'm gonna keep him and let him develop a year. The next year, he's going to get on the field. And then that third year, when Kelsey probably needs some more snaps taken away from him, hopefully he can be a guy that develops into a, you know, plus tight end. Because yeah, Kyle then, took the words right out of my mouth as far as uh, as far as just being this offense in general would take like two to three years to do develop into something. So you know, with that being said, I mean, would this be the time right now for the Chiefs to really be serious about? Leading to that tight end spot, just because Travis Kelsey is getting a little older. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because tight end is one of those positions where it's like they don't, unless you have like a unicorn like Kelsey, and we've been lucky to have him and Tony Gonzalez, and you know we're used to having great tight ends in Kansas City. Um, tight end, like from like I don't know what it like thirteen to 
27, like those guys are very interchangeable. So unless you're getting like a total unicorn where like Kyle Pitts or Dan Waller or TJ Hawkins, like a guy who's like really, really special, then it's not that big of a deal. So if you have, you know, a number one receiver in the future in two to three years, you get, draft someone or develop somebody who becomes like a bona fide one when Kelsey's on the, you know, back whatever, the whole 18 of his career, then you don't need to replace a superstar tight end with another superstar tight end. You might just need like a, um, who's a good example? Uh, like a Hayden Hurst, for example, like very like safe, you know, good blocker, you know, will do the dirty work and you know, productive in the past game when at, called upon. Like that's, like you might just need that type of guy. Are we are we kind of disrespecting Noah Gray a little bit? Because I thought Noah Gray had a hell of a season last year. Yeah. I thought he was developing into something. Yeah. Are we kind of disrespecting him a little bit? Yeah, I don't know. I think that you're looking at Noah Gray and you're saying, like, can he become a starting tight end? And probably the answer is maybe. Like, it's maybe right now. Like, you don't know because um, he just never had the workload. Like, even this year, like, he caught – he had, like, 300 less than 300 yards right so it's like um if you're good if you can bump that up a little bit more and he becomes more productive then sure like he can take over but right now like his contract's going to run out in two years are they going to resign him and it's and, and because kelsey probably is still here in two years i would hope at least so I hope it's like is he really that next guy or is he just uh, helping the depth of the room right now. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so with that, okay, so I want to talk about another guy. Uh, let's talk about this big old, this big old giant freak of a monster tight end here at Darnell Washington from Georgia. Um, we saw a little bit of him. I remember the very first game when he went up against Oregon, and this big guy, he leaked over he leaked over this defender and just made like a spectacular catch. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? Because we already knew about Brock Bowers. We already knew about the other tight end. It's like, man, this tight end room is not fair here in Georgia. Like, where did they get this guy from? So my thing with Darnell Washington is this. Um, I, I feel like at the next level, he may be more like the Mercedes Lewis type of guy, a guy who's more of a block at tight end. I don't think he's going to be as involved in the pass game, even though um, when you look at him from a physical standpoint, he looks like a guy that could be a little bit more involved in the pass game, but not as much. So, like, what do you think about Darnell Washington, and where do you see him fitting in at? Yeah, I mean, that was my comp in the guy. I put Mercedes Lewis as comp. Very similar similar um, size stature. Um Darnell is an excellent blocker, like really good blocker. He can get out of space and stuff like that. Um, the problem, the question is like, can he run routes because he's just so like big and like when you're talking about at the NFL level, everything becomes uh, quicker, shorter windows, you know. So you got to have that quickness to be, you know, turn on a dime and you know, suddenness to get get separation. So, like, as a blocker, he like if you draft him in the first round, for example, because that's probably where the Chiefs would have to take him, you're going to get your best blocker on the team from skill position-wise right there. He's going to be your best blocker. He can be your sixth offensive lineman, basically. Um, is he going to be contributing in the pass game early? I don't know, because, you know, mostly most of what he was asked to do in college was be a steam runner. So, you know, 
vertically, like 15 down the field, they would throw the ball. He high points it because he's just so massive and he gets, you know, that's how he got his production. So you're going to have to develop his route running ability and stuff like that. But like as a blocking standpoint, like he's just, you know, probably one of the best blocking tight end prospects to come out since like, I don't, I don't even know. Like he's just so dominant in the run game. Yeah, Jermaine Gresham, I saw in the comments. I haven't heard that name in a long time because I definitely like Gresham. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like him coming out of Oklahoma a while back. So, <laughs> so what else did you do? You you did defensive linemen, you did tight ends. Uh, what other? Yeah. Did you just look at randoms after that, or? Yeah, so basically, you know, I went through like edges and tackles and wide receivers because of you know Chiefs' position to me, and so I think I, I need to talk about those over the next, you know three or so weeks. So I've been, you know, grinding those out and helping with that stuff. So yeah. Okay, let's let's what do you think about King Felix? I know we we trying to sprinkle some new names in there because we we talked about yeah. Felix a lot last week. So uh let me get a quick run through on yeah. Felix. Uh Ken State did him no favors. They played him in a three three five so he's lining up a four eye and he's trying to win outside the tackle as he's lined up on the inside shoulder of the tackle, so he's not able to show his speed and bend ability, but he was still able to play the run well, show power, and stuff like that, so I think he's a, if he's the pick at 31, I'm really happy, and I get it, and you have now two young defensive ends, Charles Menehu, Dana, and probably Frank Clark, or Carlos Dunlap comes back, and, you know, a vet deal coming, and that's a good defensive end room, so I think he, there's more to him than what, like, Ken State was showing. Oh, okay. So, um. Okay. Who else? Uh, okay. Zach. Brett V says, "All right, go pick your guy, thirty-one." And and we ain't gonna even question it. Uh, who you running up there to pick? Who's who is Zach running up to the podium for? Yeah. If um, he's available, realistically, Johnson, probably Clinton Johnson. Um, if you know. I think that you get a guy with that size, that athleticism, you know, he's a little bit raw, but he has, like, if you look at these charts, he has, like, this Mahomes, you know, where Mahomes in the top right and everything, he's the same way, and this, like, yak and missed tackle stuff, where after, when you get the ball in his hands, like, he just creates yards after catch, forces missed tackles, and from a guy from who's nearly 6'3", 210, like, you don't get that, and he can be a vertical threat, and he wins downfield, it's it's just the, you know, he's a big 12 wide receiver. His hands are a little hit and miss. Um, and, you know, he's not like the super great route runner yet. But it's just like, I think like if you're getting that guy at 31, who's such a freak athlete, has these freak stats, and you're pairing him with an offense that thrives off, you know, getting guys in space and giving them, getting balls and getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. I think he's like a great fit for the offense. That's interesting because uh, Quentin Johnson, his athletic profile is one of the best, you know, in this draft class as far as wide receivers. I mean, he checks out a lot of boxes. Uh, the the one concern that a lot of Chiefs fans do see in him is that he does catch the ball with his body, and it's not like we haven't had a receiver before that did that. But you but you kind of you kind of want that guy who's a little more sure-handed. But but Quentin Johnson, the athletic profile is there, and like you mentioned, the route running. Could use a little work as well. So 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I I would sign up for it, you know, but I just think we could get somebody a little bit better. I th- I think yeah, I I've been seeing a lot of MVS comparisons. To him. Is is do they cancel each other out? No, yeah. I I don't think so. I think Quinn Quinn's way better after the catch. Um, mm-hmm. he can do the vertical stuff, but like after the catch, it's not even close. Like he Quinn can make guys miss and you know create extra yards. And I think MVS is very like straight line. I'm just gonna you know win vertically or catch the ball and go down possession wise. Like I don't see him as you know creating that much after the catch. So I get like the idea because you see Quinn Johnson winning deep all the time, but like that's just not what it shows on his tape. Like he can run a hitch and you know that Kelsey move where he like fakes his spin one way and he spins the other way. Quinn is so good at that. Like he he has the good feel of where the defender is and he's able to sell him and go. If you just watch some um, of his tape versus Kansas, like he does it like two times back to back plays and he just creates extra twenty yards because of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. I remember those specifically because Quinn was going crazy in that game for sure. Yeah. All right, so like, who is your who are your late round guys? Um, you would like to see in a Chiefs uniform? Any position or who you banging the table for, Zach? Just any position. Um, we'll go wide receiver because we'll just stay on it. I think uh, Raheem Jarrett is one of my guys from Maryland. I think I like he's a, he's you know untapped potential athlete. I got. I think when you're betting on guys in the later rounds, they have to have a pedigree, and you know he's a five star guy, and Maryland they had to his brother and he looks the exact same and he runs the same, you know, looks like it's literally having two right-handed two at quarterback, but worse. And there was some times where, you know, the ball would be off off placement and it wasn't allowing him to be full maximized, but like you can see the talent there with him where he's um, extremely good athlete, good ball skills, uh, can run every round the book, play inside, outside. There's just certain things where it's like, okay, can you, consistently beat man coverage can you consistently find the soft spot in the zone and i think that's just where like he has to grow as a route runner and stuff and as a receiver but the talent and the attributes are all there yep and like you and like i, I know i've seen where you know like when you played in maryland they was comparing them a little bit to stefan and dj moore when they played at maryland i mean i like working jared i've seen a few games with him he does he does have the ability. I do like, I do like his route running, everything. So, we'll see where he ends up. I think he'd be a decent player in the league. Yeah, I mean, there's guys who, you know, if we're talking about like edge rush trying to like they brought in Truman Jones from Harvard, and uh, that's a guy I know Maddie likes. And I haven't watched him much, but he seems like a spag of guy who can play inside outside. He's a little thicker, um, plays through power and stuff like that. Um, so that's a guy I would keep an eye on. Uh, I mean. They, they they can go a lot of different directions late because they have so many picks. So it's just – it's hard to pit point. Like, um, I know we don't want to touch on the running backs that much, but a guy I really like is from Pittsburgh, Israel Abacan- – I, I can't even say his last name half the time. Um, Abacanda or something, whatever. I think, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, this guy is just like a – he just – when he gets an open field, like, you look like he just got shot out of Canada. Like he's so fast. You're in a sub four four at his uh, pro day. Um, he's also like five ten, two fifteen. So he's got the weight to you know withhold in the NFL. And um, there's just some stuff where it's a contact balance. He's got to get better and vision wise. But like if you can get him in open space, like he just can take off and go. 
Kareem is he want Beijing or Be whatever his name is. He want that <laughs> Beijing. This dude said I can't Beijing. wait till you go early. I just want to see his <laughs> I just want to see Kareem's tears when he gets drafted <laughs> to Philadelphia. <laughs> Zach, Zach, do you see why or I call Buffalo. country the Charles Barkley of this show? He just straight butchers these <laughs> What? What's his name? B. John Robinson. You call him Beijing, bro. You call him Whatever. Beijing, bro. <laughs> Uh, what about the what about the kid? I think he's a defensive tackle. Roderick uh, Martin is he? A, is Roderick Martin? Yeah. Okay, y'all looking at me crazy. Never mind. All right, I think I, I got lost. Hold on, I'm back now. <laughs> What's the kid? Now, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, yeah, Chuck. You, you had it right. You had it right. Roderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean he's. Uh, defensive defensive tackle, good player. I think um, there's traits to work with. I think he's got a good athleticism, plays the run decently, can rush past a little bit. I don't think he's that's his forte. I think he projects more as a nose tackle. Um, so he's a guy that definitely in the late rounds I could see them picking up on and saying like, okay, like we're gonna get a nose tackle who can you know be the second you know play behind Naughty and learn a little bit and try to maximize his traits, but. Um, he's probably like a day three guy or look for like round six, round seven. Okay. All right. So, okay, so I asked, I asked Daniel last week. I'm going to ask you this week. Who was your favorite pick from last year's draft? Oh, favorite pick. I think Joshua Williams. Um, Ain't that what, that's what Dan said, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I think he said I, Brian Cook. Oh, okay. We know it's in the All secondary. Right. But. Go ahead, explain, yeah. Zach. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll go Joshua Williams because he was a guy I was high on going coming into the draft, and I thought like he was a round three guy. And um, you know, like I really like the athletic profile. He has the length. He's willing to play physical, and we see that on Sundays. And you know, Watson's kind of um, taken over because he's just more ready to play right now. But I think in the long term, and you know, maybe next, even next year or in year three for them, we'll see Williams become the better player because he has a better um, you know, athletic profile and more traits to grow off of. Okay. All right, Zach. Cool. Well, well, we're going to go ahead and uh, you know wrap this up here. But before we let you go, man, um, two questions. First off, will you be at the NFL draft? And second, or do, you, do you have any new content coming up? Yeah, I think I'm – trying to figure some things out to get Dan and Casey to um, watch the draft and be there for the weekend. So um, that's definitely hopefully in the works. And then content-wise, nothing in specific, just, you know, posting something on my Twitter, get an article out a week, and that's just what my, you know, after the guide is finished, that's when that's where most of my focus has been. All right, good deal, man. Uh, Go ahead. I got to address this, man. We got to address the, the elephant in the room. <laughs> have you have you relaxed your take on Nick Bolton yet? Ooh, let's see. I don't know if my take on Nick Bolton was ever to the extent that it was blown out of proportion to. I just don't <laughs> think he's, he's as good as Chiefs fans think he is. Okay, what like, you I saying is that? 
when, when you watch him play, there's a certain way that he has to play to be successful. And during the middle of the season, he wasn't playing that style of football and it wasn't working out for him where he wasn't, um, you know, he was playing flat footed and he's not athletic enough or big enough to slip blocks and make tackles that way. He has to attack downhill and be smarter than everybody else. So when you're, when you're getting guys coming at him, it's hard to, um, it's hard for him to make <laughs> plays on the ball and you're getting ball you're getting stuck a player <laughs> you're getting huge gashes because he can't flip blocks so right. a run stuffing linebacker i don't see him as this you know pro bowl all pro guy that a lot of people want to tout him as because of the tackle numbers so he just got to get off blocks better you're not saying he's trashed like the other fine player like i don't i don't i would never put him in a conversation with you know the Matt Milano's or Fred Warner's and stuff like that. And I think that's where it was getting a little out of, um, you know, living a little out of hand early in the season, especially. And that's where I was trying to get pushback on. And, you know, I could have gone too strong in the wrong direction and because other people were going too strong. And I, I probably was a little bit too hard on him. And I'll, I'm willing to admit that. But um, I still believe that he's not, like, as great as everybody will – put him as because of the ta- like you know it's easy to look at tackle numbers and say like oh he's secondly at tackles and whatnot but it's like if he's getting blown off the ball and he's just making a tackle at 10 yards like that's a that's a win for the offense right so if you're making you know if, you know you got to look at like how is he doing in pass coverage how is he doing is he creating negative plays and he's in you know he always seems to come up with like that one negative play a game and one splash play a game which is really good because that's what you need from a defensive player um, so, like, I'll give him credit on that. But I think it's just the consistency snap in, snap out, where, you know, you can watch him and he's getting, you know, eight yards off a ball and he's just not, you know, his, he's playing flat-footed and stuff like that where you can improve on to become a better player. How, how much uh, – how do you think Dane, um, the guy we picked up, and, and Leo and uh, Willie all elevating – how did it help yeah, he him? Called him help. He called him Dane, man. <laughs> What's his name? Drew. 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 It's Drew. Whatever. <laughs> What's his number? Yeah, 23. Drew's a good pickup. I think Drew probably plays more instead of Willie or um, stuff like that. I think, you know, we've seen Spags kind of not trust Willie in dime situations and put Bolton out there. And Bolton isn't the best coverage guy. And I think a lot of people agree with me on that. Um, where, you know, Drew can now give him a guy who's, you know, he's better than Ben Neiman. Don't get me wrong on this, but he's well, the Well, that ain't Neiman. saying much. <laughs> right, that's what I'm about to say. It's definitely not no, saying it's, much. It's not, <laughs> it's not saying that. Like, I'm, like, he's way better than Ben Neiman. Like, he's, he's way, way better. Uh, yeah. Like, he creates, yeah. but, but he's in that mold where Spags can trust him in the dying packages to call the defense and be in the right spot. But with more athleticism, and just better playing. Like, it's that same idea where, you know, remember from two years we were yelling at the TV, why, why is Willie not in instead of Ben Neiman? Well, it's because Spags mm-hmm. trusted Ben. And, like, we hated it, but that was the fact. And, like, you know, now Drew can take that role over and let, you know, Bolton be good at what he's good at. Yeah, because I was definitely – I used definitely used to be like, okay, Willie's a better coverage guy. Like, why is he not in there? But like you mentioned, like, Willie's not a guy who can 
maybe call the defense like that and put guys in position, you know, in that situation with the dime package. So uh, now that we have Drew Tranquil, I get that will definitely solve that issue right there. So, oh, so Drew, so yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, Nick, I'm glad we got. I, I mean, not Nick, but Zach. I'm glad we got everything cleared up with the. Nick Bowden stuff, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's a little man. more clear now. It's a little more clear now. So see, Zach is not a bad guy. You guys are jumping on him. He was tripping though, but he's not a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> no, I think but, I mean and he's young too. Like in and no, yeah. he didn't really do all this at Missouri either. So he's still learning on the job. So it's gonna take a yeah. little time. Hopefully he breaks through. I think he can get to a level where he is a Pro Bowl player at, you know, level player, but right now he's not. And that's just, like, you know, because he has, you know, an interception here, interception there, where it's a tip ball or, you know, the scoop and score in the Super Bowl, people will remember that as, like, you know, obviously the great player. Oh. And, you know, he had a hell of a game in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he, he had a hell really of a That was probably his best game. He really he did. He should have had two I'm, of them. Yeah, yeah I'm saying, definitely. Definitely. Flash plays that people are memorable, memorable by. They, they forget like right. the other eighty percent of the plays or ninety five percent of the play, like you know those chunk of plays where he's not in on like making those flash plays. So it's just you know you got to be you know good with the bad. Hold on, what comment? Because I did the comment. This one, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all. I was like, what comment? This one, Kyle. Kyle thinks. <laughs> I'm gonna call Kyle and cuss him out later. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Zach, nah. Zach, we, Zach, we appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Thank you for hopping on the show Zach. tonight. So. The young guy. How old are you now, Zach? Seventeen? <laughs> no, I'm twenty. What? One year are away. You, are you gonna be? Legal. We're gonna have to sneak him a beer at the. Uh... <laughs> Think of a little drink or something at this thing. We don't encourage we don't encourage underage drinking though, but uh <laughs> nah, thank you, Zach. Hey man, uh good job. I told you that when we had you on last year, I see a bright future for you. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't get into the trolling aspect of it, but keep doing the work, man. I know, I know. Despite all that, I know you work hard. I know you put time in. I know you're putting the work in behind the scenes. You know what I'm saying? So I think you got a bright future on you, man. And just get a better haircut and you'll be all right. <laughs> I, I appreciate you, country. Um, you know, we go back and forth. And I always appreciate talking to you. And Chuck, I um, have been following your stuff, too. So always a pleasure to be on, guys. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Thanks, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Hey, don't go. You don't have to go. Sully, Sully's dead. I killed him the other night. He's dead. He's out. <laughs> Body that boy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Zach. See you at the draft, bro. All right, man. Zach. So... I like Zach, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zach was cool, man. He was cool. Yeah, Zach so, is. I mean, I'm glad we got the Nick Bolt stuff all cleared up now. So. You know, right, right. I but, told you, but, man, we had to get that out the way, man. You was going, you was going to let that fester. I wasn't going to let it fester. <laughs> I was going to let that get squashed right there, right then and there. <laughs> yeah, actually, I actually forgot about it, but I'm glad you brought it up. So, <laughs> all right. So that being said, let's go ahead and get to our sponsor and get up out of here, man. The sponsor. Right, so we got the. He always doing. I'm that. done. 
Uh-huh. All right, so we got the we got the homage NFL logo collection going on. It's three weeks from the draft. So if you plan on going to the draft, you have time to go to that website and see what's remaining of the Chiefs gear. If you're somebody who's not a Chiefs fan and is looking to get some new gear for the NFL draft, or if you plan on pulling up to Kansas City, yeah, go and put those orders in right now. All right, and then we got the MLB season that went away not so long ago. So we got that MLB retro helmet collection going on. They also got a legend collection going on too. I saw the Ken Griffey Jr. shirt pop up on the front page and that mother looked nice. So, so uh, Hey, maybe, maybe the Royals will remember his baseball season. Sometime. Oh gosh. <laughs> hey, in the words of Chris Jones, may God bless him. May God <laughs> bless John Sherman, man. I feel sorry for you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle collection with the NBA, as the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. So, I believe the regular season is about to end this Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Good. So, got that. Too long. You got the NBA on fire collection. Hold on. Time out, time out, time out. You said, all right. All right. All right. I heard you say that, right? What happened to – what happened to embracing the grind, man? Now, all of a sudden – it's too many games in these certain leagues all of a sudden. Now 82 games is too much in the NBA. Now 162 games in the MLB is too much. Like, why, how did we get to this point, man? It's because football is only 16 games, and you live on the edge of your seat for okay. 16 weeks. Okay, it's too many back- lulls. It's too many lulls in baseball. The Royals can go – they can start 0 for 20, right? And if they have a good couple months, they'll be right back where they need to be. In baseball, you can take nights off plenty of times. The Clippers take nights off all the time. It's workload management all the time. And they can still be in the thick of the playoffs. The Lakers are barely over 500, and they in the playoffs. Like, it's just too many games. I think if it was less games, every game would mean more. Less people would sit out. More people would play. It'd be more emphasis on every game. Okay, so like it wasn't like this when we was younger, man. People weren't talking about there's too many games, but I feel like now, yeah, <laughs> now that there's more money being involved in is these sports leagues now for one, and for two, I feel like these guys they they're a little more spoiled this time. You know what I mean? Some of these guys they're a little more entitled this time, and I think some of them don't got that pride in them just to compete like that every night as well. Good. So. I mean, that's agreeable. Yeah, so, I mean, those are just a few factors right there. But at the end of the day, yeah. man, we need to get back to embracing the grind, man. I just, I still think I, – I don't think it's the issue. I don't think games is the issue. Kyle just brought it up. It's not too many games. The skill gap from top to bottom in the NBA. As you, well, I mean, skill gap – yeah, these guys are skilled, but yeah. I don't think their IQ is better than what it was back then. That's just how I feel about it. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, man, so, um, on a personal note, uh, we grew a lot of followers over this last week. Um, hopefully, we give you guys great content. We keep you involved. We try to be one of the most interactive podcasters, interactive podcasts. In Chiefs Kingdom, and uh, we appreciate your support. For real, for real. Uh, we gonna keep trying to crank out great comment, uh, great content. Keep y'all involved. We love reaching back to our fans. 
We're going to reach out to our sponsors. We're going to do some giveaways. We owe y'all for 500 600 and looks like we owe you for 700 pretty soon. So uh, we got plenty of giveaways. We do like to do giveaways. Uh, we are looking for a sponsor, too, if, you know, call me. You know, but anyway, we like to interact with our fans. So let us know that you've subscribed. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We got a Facebook. We got a community. We got Twitch. We got all that stuff. So find it. Kingdom Cash. We thank y'all for y'all support. And uh, we're going to try to impress y'all every every chance that we get. Thank you, Nani, for that, yeah, that, that, that compliment. Nani. Thank you, Kareem. Thanks, Kareem. Yeah. yeah, even though yeah, Kareem man. was talking crazy about AEW and WWE, don't make me start a, ra- a wrestling podcast, bro. Don't, don't, because I'll destroy you. Speaking of that, did you watch WrestleMania? Of course. Okay, I only, even, I only if, you don't watch, even if you don't watch wrestling, everybody watches WrestleMania. Okay, because I only saw the end, and I didn't like the end, and I didn't like the how the main event ended. I mean, I feel like it was whack. I mean, what okay, did you think okay, about let's overall? explain. Let's explain. No, uh, uh, Kylie at the Kylie at uh business. Um, right. This is this is the thing. It's just like any other. It's just like sports. I look. You look forward. You invest in the chase. You don't invest in them winning the belt. You invest in them chasing the belt, overcoming obstacles, getting stronger. So. Cody Rose is gonna be better for losing. It I know it don't, it sounds crazy, but he's gonna be better. And they already did it by making Brock throw hey bro. <laughs> hey man, Brock Lesnar. I don't even know if he was mad for real or if he was I don't know if that was a work nah, or a shoot, bro. He, he was <laughs> mad for real. Yo, he was mad for real. Brock Lesnar, <laughs> he he kicked Cody Rose all over that. <laughs> I, I I couldn't sign up for that. You got to be a different dude to get Brock. But they're giving him Brock. Brock, when he comes out of Brock, it's not going to be, well, I don't think he could beat Roman. Because going into it, I didn't think Cody was ready yet. I don't think he was he was slick enough on the mic. I don't think his, his matches were just. But once he get through Brock, and then they'll set him up with probably a high flyer guy or something like that. Probably set him up. If I was booking it, I would get well, since Randy Orton ain't back, I might slide him in the Matt Riddle and get the high flying aspect and get him. Mm-hmm. But the gold, the the money is in the chase, bro. He's gonna chase the belt. So Roman Reigns had to win, bro. And plus, they just sold the company. You want to sell the company and then put it on a brand new champion? Eh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, wasn't tripping off, I wasn't tripping off Roman Reigns winning because I knew Roman Reigns was going to win. I'm not tripping off that. I'm just tripping off how it ended, like how it just ended. You know what I mean? Like how he won at the end. You know what I'm saying? But that, that was he's my a, issue. He's a, he's a heel. He's but, but not supposed he, to win straight up. But it's supposed he, to be. It's supposed to heel, be. Though? How's he? Who? Roman Reigns? Yeah. Roman Reigns a heel. It, he might come like, off as a baby face, but he's a heel. Right. It feel like they was. It like it feel like that's kind of forced on him. Don't you think? Don't you feel like they, that's kind of forced on? And it, it just don't feel like he turned no. heel. It just don't feel like it. You know no, I mean? he started off as a heel, 
They, he he yeah they they had to make him a heel. Matt, Matt Riddle was trash. <laughs> he had to be a heel, and then over the time, over the the year, he's been embraced. They they acknowledge him. They know the catchphrases. Yeah, yes, he's an anti-hero. Yeah, so they know it's just like the Rock. The Rock when he was the People's Champ, he was a heel. That entire time, he was a bad guy. That entire time, he just stopped going at the fans and, and focusing more on his opponents. When he started getting popular, and then he transcended, you know, to like a baby face, but an anti-hero. But like I said, the 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 Roman Reigns, he isn't supposed to win cleanly and beat you. Like if he would have beat Cody Rhodes cleanly, then everybody should be complaining. Oh, but no, the no, fact no. that he had to use not, the not fact like that. that he used the Usos, the fact yeah. that he used Solo, the fact that Sammy and 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 KO got involved, then Paul Heyman got involved, that's a heel move, bro. It's just it's really come on, man. Watch wrestling, man. We were spoiled with the attitude and the ruthless aggression. John Cena, Edge, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michael. We were just spoiled. And now we, but now I think Triple H, and this is why Mr. Man has to cut that mustache off. Oh my he has God, to get that out mustache of, is horrible. That mustache the, the is so mustache. garbage. <laughs> that pencil, man, that pencil, that pencil length ass mustache, dog. <laughs> hey, Vince got to cut that mustache, bro. That mustache he, he is, went from, is horrendous. He went from, he went from Vince McMahon to Vincento McMahon, dog. Or Juice, Juice, man. Juice mad because he's an AEW fan. Okay, listen, I, I do not hate AEW, bro. I just think that when I look at AEW, all I think about is WWE because most of the stars are WWE guys, and I think they need to develop their own stars. That's the only thing I'm saying. When you looked at um, when WCW, when you were flicking back and forth, because I was familiar with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They look like WWE. It still look like WWE guys. You feel me? So until they start developing their own guys, I, I think they always going to be looking at as the B-League. You know what I'm saying? So bring back Hornswoggle, Garrett. For real, G. <laughs> and, and with that, we are out. I didn't know we was going to turn into a wrestling podcast for 30 minutes, but Hey, we appreciate y'all. If y'all like that, maybe we should start doing this a little bit more because it looked like y'all into that. So, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I already seen two comments from you when you brought up wrestling. Hey, Juice said Orange Cassidy is good, and 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 that's just as somebody told me. I don't know if it was Juice. My bad. I'm sorry, Juice. Orange Cassidy, the guy that wrestles with his hands in his pockets, is mm. bro. No. That's, that's weird. That's, that's weird. Hands on pockets the entire time. That's weird. That is that's so weird. sorry. <laughs> I can't. You can't. Nobody's going to believe that, bro. Nobody's yeah. going to believe that. Juice, I don't care about a guy named Jungle Boy, bro. Like, ugh. Like, no. It's just not. <laughs> Stop it, man. All right. Hey, man, so... we out, man. We out, yeah. bro. <laughs> Don't get the like, subscribe, comment, share our social media platforms. We back tomorrow with Ken Swanson from the Kansas City Sports Network. That should we be out. fun. Yes, sir.
Be easy. <laughs>